You're listening to the N2K Space Network. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. A little etymology lesson for everybody today. The term astronaut derives from the Greek words astron for star and naftis for sailor. So when you put them together, you get star sailor. And astronaut commonly refers to all those who have been launched as crew members aboard NASA spacecraft. Russia opted for the name cosmonaut, which comes from the Greek words kosmos, meaning universe, making cosmonaut a universe sailor. And in recent years, we've also had taikonaut, which is a mashup with the Chinese word taikong, meaning space or cosmos. But the official Chinese name is Yuhangguan, meaning travelers of the universe. And today we're being introduced to India's first four Vyomanots. The word is another mashup, this time with the Sanskrit word Vyoman, meaning the heavens. Though I've also seen Gaganots using the Sanskrit word Gagan for sky or space. Well, whatever we are going to call them, Let's welcome our four new sailors of the heavens, shall we? T minus 20 seconds to LOS Pedras. Today is February 27th, 2024. I'm Maria Varmazis, and this is T minus. India selects its first four Vyomanots. Unseen Labs raises 85 million euros in a new funding round. The FAA closes its Starship mishap investigation. And our guest today is Eleftherios Cosmas, vice chair of the Libre Space Foundation, discussing open source space technologies. Stay with us. We're starting today's intelligence briefing with an announcement from India. Late last year, India unveiled its ambitious lunar roadmap 2047, which includes in its goal a dedicated Indian space station in low Earth orbit by 2028 and a completed lunar base by 2047. But to do any of that, you've got to get humans into space first. And today, ISRO announced that huge next step in India's national space program. 
The world's first Viomanauts are here. And from this group will be the first explorers that India sends to space from its home soil in 2025. The four test pilots from the Indian Air Force, who are now India's first Viomanauts, are Group Captain Prashant Nair, Group Captain Ajit Krishnan, Group Captain Angad Pratap, and Wing Commander Shubanshu Shukla. And yes, ISRO is using the term Viomanauts, so we will be following their lead. Three of these four men will form the crew for the Gaganyan, which will be India's first crewed orbital spacecraft. Gaganyan is expected to launch sometime in 2025 and will be orbiting the Earth at about 400 kilometers. First up, though, is a crucial test with ISRO's humanoid robot, Viomitra, to make sure that the Gaganyan crew capsule is safe to house real humans in space. That test is scheduled for later this year. Should that test prove successful, the runway will be clear for three Viomanauts to go to space, where they will orbit the Earth for three days. During the ceremony where these four men were announced, India's Prime Minister Modi pinned golden wings to each Viomanaut and said, After 40 years, an Indian will go to space. But this time is also ours. The countdown is also ours. In every nation's progress, there comes a time when the present introduces its people to the future. Today is such a time for India. These are not just four names or four people. They are four powers who will carry the aspirations of 1.4 billion Indians to space. I congratulate and wish them all the best. India is also due to begin construction of a second spaceport. The spaceport in Tamil Nadu is all set to have its foundation stone laid by Prime Minister Modi on Wednesday. The Kulasekarapatnam spaceport will enable more efficient launches for smaller rockets like the SSLV or small satellite launch vehicle. Its location allows launches directly south over the Indian Ocean. It will provide launch pads and support facilities for ISRO and commercial missions, carrying payloads into polar orbits. The spaceport is expected to be in active use by 2026. Moving over to France now, and France-based Unseen Labs has raised 85 million euros in a new funding round. The company has built a satellite constellation that detects and tracks clandestine ships across the oceans. Between 25 and 30 percent of the round is debt, which the startup secured from a consortium of regional and national banks. It brings total funding for the startup to 120 million euros since it was founded in 2015. This new funding round will allow Unseen Labs to expand upon its observation capabilities with the launch of multiple satellites. The company says it plans to increase its international presence, particularly in the American and Asian markets, which are seen as crucial for the maritime sector. UK-based launch services provider Alba Orbital has announced a multi-launch contract with Turkey-based Hello Space Systems. Following the successful launch of Istanbul aboard SpaceX's Transporter 8 mission in June 2023, Hello Space is partnering again with Alba Orbital for their next phase of satellite deployment. Under the multi-launch agreement, Alba Orbital will deliver four 3P pocket cubes dedicated to expanding Hello Space Systems' commercial IoT constellation. They'll be in a sun-synchronous orbit via SpaceX's Falcon 9 launch vehicle in 2024 and 2025. The UK Space Agency has announced a £10 million funding competition, which will help UK companies put their technologies at the forefront of a new generation 
of global telecommunications services, products, and applications. The funding is part of the UK's commitment to the European Space Agency's Advanced Research in Telecommunications Systems program called ARTES. More details about the competition can be found by following the link in our show notes. Australian company Cambrian Executive has conducted a suborbital launch at S-Range in Sweden. The Mafias 14 flight at the Swedish Space Corporation facility was testing an experimental payload, which was integrated on a German DLR-built suborbital rocket. Three different strains of microbes manufactured in Adelaide, Australia, were on board the rocket in a purpose-built unit, which were carefully frozen and then thawed just in time to coincide with the launch. The payload has since been recovered and will be returned to Australia for analysis. Intuitive Machines provided an update on the Odysseus Lunar Lander on the social media platform X. The post read this. Flight controllers continue to communicate with Odysseus. This morning, Odysseus efficiently sent payload science data and imagery in furtherance of the company's mission objectives. Flight controllers are working on final determination of battery life on the lander, which may continue up to an additional 10 to 20 hours. That's nice news which means that the commercial lunar lander is likely to reach the end of its mission in the next 24 hours. Keep going, Odie. We're cheering for you. The FAA has closed the SpaceX-led mishap investigation of the Starship Super Heavy Orbital Test Flight 2 launch that occurred on November 18th, 2023. SpaceX identified and the FAA accepts the root causes and 17 corrective actions documented in SpaceX's mishap report. The seven corrective actions include vehicle hardware redesigns, updated control system modeling, reevaluation of engine analyses based on OTF2 flight data, and updated engine control algorithms. The 10 corrective actions that were identified for the Starship vehicle include vehicle hardware redesigns, operational changes, flammability analysis updates, installation of additional fire protection, and guidance and modeling updates. And the FAA were quick to point out that the closure of the mishap investigation does not signal an immediate authorization of the next Starship launch. So everybody hold your horses. Prior to the next launch, SpaceX must implement all corrective actions and receive a license modification from the FAA that addresses all safety, environmental, and other applicable regulatory requirements. And that concludes our briefing for today. But don't despair. We have included a few extra stories for you in our show notes. One's on Varda's pioneering Winnebago 1 mission. Another from the GAO asking if the FAA is ready for more space travelers. And a third's on a test by Universal Hydrogen at Mojave Spaceport. You'll find them and lots more at space.n2k.com and just click on this episode title. T-Minus crew, if you're just joining us, welcome. And be sure to follow T-Minus Space Daily in your favorite podcast app. Also, if you could do us a favor, share the intel with your friends and your coworkers. So here's a little challenge for you. By Friday, please show three friends or coworkers this podcast. A growing audience is the most important thing for us, and we would love your help as part of the T-Minus crew. So if you find T-Minus useful, please share it so other professionals like you can find the show. Thank you so much for your support. It means a lot to me and all of us here at T-Minus.
And now, a message from CyberBit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then, you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need CyberBit. CyberBit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills, all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Our guest today is Eleftherios Cosmas from the Libre Space Foundation. And Eleftherios started by telling me about the foundation. Libre Space Foundation is a non-profit uh, centered in uh, developing open source solutions in space. It was established in uh, 2015 in uh, Athens, Greece. And uh, its main focus is uh, developing open source solutions and technologies in order to uh, provide the opportunity uh, for people to access space and alleviate the barriers into participating in uh, the space domain. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, we were chatting a little bit before, uh, and I was mentioning that open source projects are very close to my heart. Uh, I think what open source projects do, they're fantastic, complicated, massive projects. They take a lot of coordination, a lot of hard work to, to, to manage, but they're also so important in what they do. Can you tell me a little bit about why LibreSpace is open source and why that is so important to the, its mission? First and foremost, our organization uh, started uh, through the Satnux project. Uh, Satnux is a satellite ground station network. Uh, which also open source, of course. But uh, when we were just a team of people uh, working on that project, uh, mostly uh, on our local hackerspace, uh, the hackerspace of Athens, Greece, which is a dedicated play, uh, physical uh, space uh, for open source projects and open data and uh, open hardware. So when we started Satman's, Sometime on the point of starting Satnux, we uh, won a monetary prize of uh, $200,000. For the time in Greece, within authority measures and capital controls and stuff like that, it was a huge lot of money for us. And uh, we had to decide what to do. We decided on uh, going forward on creating an uh, open source organization because we do believe that applying open source methodologies in space can be a catalyst for innovation, collaboration, and community. Most of us are seasoned in uh, the open source domain. Uh, many of us were uh, contributors or working for uh, open source projects and uh, companies and nonprofits like Mozilla, Red Hat, and uh, you name it. There were a lot of people. For us, it is natural. We share that thinking. 
that um, open source can be a catalyst. We've seen it uh, in the um, IT domain. And we want to take some of these ideas, share them with the space uh, community in order to further alleviate the barriers for participation space, because that's the, the thing we want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and there are a number of different open source projects that uh, your foundation is is working on. So you mentioned Satnogs. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah. Uh, Satnogs is a satellite ground station network. It started uh, within Hackathon, uh, NASA Space of Silence Hackathon, actually, at the local hackerspace of Athens. We were always interested in um, satellite communications. So most of us are radio amateurs. So uh, we did continue working on that, even though the hackathon ended. And uh, sometime uh, we participated in the first Hacker Day Prize. Uh, Hacker Day is a well-known website uh, doing mostly hacky stuff, but in the creative way of hacking, not the cyber security way of hacking. Not the criminal way. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we got some funding and uh, then now uh, we started creating an organization. At that point, we got involved with Ubisoft. Uh, Ubisoft is the first open source hardware Keeps up that ever uh, gone in orbit, and it's actually interestingly, it was started as a project from the University of Patras, Greece. At some point, we got involved, we redesigned the project, but under only one clause, everything has to be open. So, if you want us to participate in that, we can't work with, uh, without open sourcing, open sourcing everything. Well. We had to negotiate some stuff, but yeah, at the end of the day, we managed to create uh, a satellite, uh, have it in orbit. It worked, and we learned a lot of things, and we got again on the drawing board and started working on another, on other projects and continued uh, working on Satnox. Uh, now Satnox is uh, uh, really diverse. You can see that uh, I may have an antenna on my rooftop, which is not a really fancy antenna. It's just a turnstile type of antenna. Still. <laughs> yeah. But there are also uh, ground stations with rotators, or even um, there are a couple of uh, defunct radio telescopes in Europe, in Paris, and uh, in uh, Holland, Netherlands. They do also participate in Saturn, which is pretty cool because you can see uh, a person that's not really a lot, really technical, like me, and uh, people that are uh, familiar with astrophysics, which is a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I would imagine, especially the academic community would be very excited about, I mean, open source in academia, yeah. I, I want to emphasize to the listeners that the world's first open source satellite went into orbit two years ago. That, that is pretty amazing. I remember reading about that announcement when it was launched, I think, on a Firefly rocket. That was uh, the Cubica satellite. Mm. Oh, okay. I, I, I got them confused. <laughs> yeah, well, they're starting to get a little bit more. Uh, so after all that, um, 
when we uh, started working on uh, the CubeSat designs, uh, we were always had in the back of our mind that, let's face it, uh, ride-sharing ride costs are kind of a lot. If you do it like us, and if you earn profit, and if you try to be as cheap as possible, because, come on, we are Greeks. And, uh, <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can. You can say, you can say that. <laughs> yeah, and, and we try to be as cheap as possible, not because we want to allocate resources to our own uh, person. We want to really alleviate the barriers of participating in uh, space technology. What we try to do is uh, to create solutions that are within the uh, specs of uh, the launch providers, first and foremost. This ha has to go in orbit. But we do also want to alleviate the burden of... Uh, putting a truckload of money on a satellite if you can do it another way. And sometimes, yes, you have to do it. Sometimes you have to test stuff and always you have to test stuff. But at least you have to have an opportunity to do research and do prototyping easily. That's what we try to do. So... We started focusing on uh, the PocketCube uh, platform, which is 5 by 5 by 5 unit, which is really interesting to us. And we paired that with the deployer. We got a lot of opportunity a couple of years ago with uh, the first Firefly mission. That didn't go really perfect uh, because space is hard. They had to uh, self-destruct the rocket, but they also provided us another opportunity to launch again with them. And uh, now we do have an open source design of CubeSat and an open source design of PocketCube and an open source hard open hardware deployer to pair with that. We try to work on more solutions. We also do uh, have a new design of a communications board that's uh, integrated uh, with Satnog. And we do also work for the European Space Agency to develop uh, a new protocol that would allow uh, spacecraft identification and localization. So the thing is that uh, nowadays... Uh, there is a trend of launching um, CubeSat by the Hadron. We've seen it before and we will see it again. That's really challenging for Satmix operators. It's difficult to figure out which of your signals you're getting is which. It's difficult for NORAD. It's difficult for us. We do share info with uh, NORAD, of course when we are uh, successfully identifying stuff. But we see that as a challenge, meaning that uh, nowadays a satellite is deployed and it will uh, not get identified uh, for a while. It could be for several days if we don't actively track it 
and some of that could be track stuff that are not to be tracked, like uh, commercial satellites. So the thing is, we created a protocol, uh, like a beacon, that would allow for us to easily, and not only for us, for any ground station network, uh, or even automated uh, systems on board other satellites, maybe, I don't know, to actually identify which project is we, uh, which object is with and allow to, because of the Doppler shift of the signal, allow for easy localization of the object, where it is and its orbital parameters and stuff like that, which is really, it's an interesting concept. It, it does take advantage of the fact that we do have access to one of the, if not the biggest, uh, satellite ground station network globally. SATMUC nowadays has around 200 operating ground stations globally and in places that, well, are a little bit uncommon. There are ground stations in uh, Athens and ground stations in the United States of America. They're in Russia and China and they're in uh, Japan. All these ground station operators are working together to facilitate open, di uh, open data and open science. It's really interesting. To learn more, the website for the Libre Space Foundation is quite simply libre.space, or L-I-B-R-E dot space. We'll be right back. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Welcome back. In the last few years, we've seen a dramatic increase in space launches here in the U.S., and it seems the rest of the world is also seeing the number of space flights rapidly increase. Take China, for example. They expected to increase launch cadence by 50% in 2024. More than 300 spacecraft are expected to reach orbit in 2024 from China, which will set a new national record. About 70 launches will be conducted by the China Aerospace Science and Technology Corporation, and the others will be from the many commercial companies that have started in the country. At least two of the launches will be human spaceflights. Two crewed and two resupply missions to China's Tiangong Space Station are expected to lift off this year. And among the many other missions planned from China this year is the Chang'e 6 mission, which is slated to lift off in May. Now, Chang'e 6 is a planned robotic Chinese lunar exploration mission, which aims to grab samples containing material ejected from the lunar mantle 
and thus provide insight into the history of the moon, the Earth, and the solar system. No big deal. The vehicle is expected to return those samples to the Earth later this year. Forget the year of the dragon. This is the year of the moon and the year of many launches from across the globe. That's it for T-minus for February 27th, 2024. For additional resources from today's report, check out our show notes at space.n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like T-minus are part of the daily routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, from the Fortune 500 to many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. This episode was produced by Alice Carruth, Mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester, with original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Jen Iben. Our VP is Brandon Karp. And I'm Maria Varmazes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.